Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back for another video. There's been an interesting development. You're probably well aware of Fabio Borges, widely considered as the greatest manager of all time. We actually managed to get him on the channel for a video last year, a rare public appearance, as we got the opportunity to hear his story and his secrets. If you haven't seen that video, it'll be on screen at the end. However, a new manager has moved up to the number one spot on the Premier Fantasy Tour's all-time leaderboard, Matt Corbidge. His average rank over his entire career is 7K, and if you ignore his first ever season, his average rank is inside the top 5k. Unbelievable consistency. We got hold of Matt for an interview and he's laid everything out in perhaps the most useful FPL video you'll ever watch. If you enjoy this kind of content, hit like and make sure you subscribe him. Here's what Matt had to say. The first question was, what tips can you share behind your success? He said there's loads of advice and points, none of it particularly surprising, new or profound though. So I'll be brief and leave it at three points. Number one, fixtures are king. Without failure, I bring in players who have good fixtures. When they play for good teams, and even better. Fixtures nearly always create form. I don't mind having unbalanced squads focused on just a couple of teams if the fixtures allow it. Make sure you're sharp to what an easy fixture is though. Consider home versus away form, and also whether the fixture is good from an attacking or defensive point of view. Number two is bring in players for at least a four to five gimmick window. You only have limited transfers, so make them count. Bring in a player with a four to five gimmick horizon at least. It'll make you comfortable with them, and you'll always have okay fixtures to look forward to. Bringing players in and then out all the time is a bad habit. And number three is don't pay attention to points. Counterintuitive, right? I care only about the stats, particularly XG and its variants. Give me a player who's blanked in three game weeks but with a brilliant XG over a player who's jammed some goals but has poor underlying stats. It evens itself out in the medium term usually. I didn't pick Aaron after the World Cup based on this logic. It was risky given he was scoring every week before, but I thought he was getting too lucky. In a similar vein, I'm okay keeping Martinelli who dropped off post World Cup. Great player for a great team with great fixtures, and whilst he hasn't scored for a while, his stats are just as good as the likes of Saka and Erdegaard who cost more. It will come. The next question was how has your management style changed over the years? Matt said there's been a few little changes but the basics have generally stayed the same. I've learned to take less hits. I know some people are fans, but outside of certain situations, they rarely work for me. People often ignore their bench when calculating the value of a hit. I'm not afraid to play a bench player for a solid 2-3 to three points rather than take a hit for a starting player who may have a small injury or be suspended. I probably rely on data and statistics more than previously. I watch a lot less football than a few years ago, so a lot of the time I'm led by a combination of fixtures, what I generally know, and then the data could be working in my favour, but the eye test is always important to me. There's a lot of decent prediction tools out there now, including the likes of Fantasy Football Fix and FPL Review. 
I don't take them literally, and I make my own moves and decisions, but I do like to sometimes look at them to validate a move. If you think a move's good, and the predictors agree with it, then you can be pretty sure it's something you can be confident with. Form your own opinions though. I'd have been in a worse position if I didn't captain Haaland really early in the 22-23 season and then jump off Liverpool players. Both were bad moves at the time according to the algorithms. The next question was what's your best FPL memory? He said there's a couple. I managed to bring in a little known player called Harry Kane for 4.8 mil my first season playing FPL. After I saw him start an Europa League game for Spurs, I think he scored immediately and then never stopped. It was a turning point of what was a pretty bang average season up until then and he massively helped me achieve a respectable first year finish. There's been some good captaincy memories. I captained a low ownership Charlie Austin from QPR when he was the top scorer over a double game week. A few seasons ago I thought I'd blow my triple captain chip and had to use it in a single game week. Enter Salah vs Huddersfield with a monster return. More recently absolutely nailing my game week 1 squad in 2021-22 felt good. I started with a gimmick rank of 14k and never looked back. Gimmick 38 of that season was pretty special as well. Returns from Martinelli and Son meant I'd finished that season with my best ever rank of 1180th. Always nice finishing on a high. Next question was, do you pay attention to the all-time leaderboards? He said, I'd love to say no, but I can't lie, look at them all the time, even though it's a little bit obsessive. Once I started taking FPL a little more seriously in my second season, I set the goal of reaching the top 10 in the Fantasy Football Scout Hall of Fame, which at the time was the main leaderboard for all-time players. I still check in on that, as well as the Premier Fantasy Tools and FPL Research leaderboards. I'm a little biased because I'm highly ranked in most of them, but I think they're a far better reflection of good FPL play. Getting a good rank in a single season is great, but has loads of factors such as luck at play. Doing consistently well over time is a good indicator of solid play, with less noise coming from luck. The next question I asked was, do you ever consider effective ownership? Matt said, rarely. I have to say, being aware of EO does spoil some of the fun of FPL. Over any given season, there's many players you own, but you can't cheer for, which is a shame. I only really consider my own projected points from a player. Lots of things go into that, but that's the simple end game. If they're low ownership, then even better. The only times I consider it, there's a real 50-50 decision around things like captaincy. There I tend to be a little more cautious and go for the highly owned option to minimise the downside of getting it wrong. Next question was, what factors do you consider when playing your wildcards? He said, in terms of timing, it's all mainly about looking at the big fixture swings and when you can make over four moves that would really improve your team. In the second half of the season, I'll usually align it to fixture swings, but also take into account wider ship strategy and doubles. That or when your team is so bad or just broken by the likes of injuries and suspensions. In 22-23, I played the first half wildcard in Game 8 to jump off all the Liverpool players and bring in Spurs, Man City and Newcastle players ahead of their fixture swings. It turned out pretty well. In 21-22, my second wildcard was played in Game 25, the week where many famously triple-captain Salah. I did that because of some fixture swings, but also so I was well prepared for upcoming doubles and my wider ship plan. It was a bit scary to go against the grain there, but I think the plan worked out. I'll be doing the same again with the wildcard in the future, and I'll look at the big doubles, blanks, and when I want to play my bench boost, and then try to find the best week to navigate it with the wildcard. Gaming 31 to 33 or thereabouts is a promising time of the season. Next question was, how important is team value for you? He said it's not. Even less so in a season like 22-23, of all great value picks and no real need to load up on premium price players. I found that you can always find another interesting move, and sometimes it just works out that the cheaper option was the better pick. 
The season before last, there was a big debate of Stones versus Diaz versus Cancelo as a Man City defender ahead of a great double. I was forced to go to Stones because of the lack of budget and he smashed it. I think early moves to chase prices aren't a great tactic. I think it's crazy the amount of people who make early moves, especially when the game week isn't over or there are other games and other competitions before the next game week. Exception for making early moves is when you're getting priced out of a really great move and it's only one to two days before the deadline and there's no midweek games due to be played. The next question was how do you use each chip? He said I'll say that a lot of the chips are overrated. I've had so many bench boosts and triple captain failures and still got good ranks. Likewise there's times where my pre-wildcard team would have outscored my wildcard team over a couple of weeks. Don't obsess about them and good play generally trumps good chip usage most times. The first wildcard is used when I can see a big fixture swing in the first half of the season, usually before game week 10 so I can load up my initial team with some short term picks and ignore balance. The triple captain chips used when a good player for a great team has a double. I'll use it at the earliest decent opportunity. These factors were at play when I chose Haaland in game week 20 of 22-23. It wasn't the return I was hoping for but I was happy he played both games and he got a goal at least. The bench boost I'll typically use in a big double game week. If you have a starting sub-keeper with a double, it's always a good indication. In 21-22, however, I ended up bench boosting when I had loads of single gimmick players on my bench. They had a great fixture though, Arsenal vs Watford. The second wildcard is an important one, and I'll look at how doubles, blanks and fixture swings land. I want to be putting out as many good players and as many fixtures as possible, so optimising doubles is important. The free hit can be used for either a random double where your initial squad's lacking key players, more often than not, I'll use it to navigate a big blank, so I don't have to worry about that in planning. And the final question is simply, what is one takeaway piece of advice you could give to viewers? And he said, points last week don't equate to points in future weeks. If you're bringing in a player purely because they scored well in the last week, then you're doing it wrong. And to offer some closing thoughts, the all-time leaderboard is dynamic. It took a long time for Fabio to be dethroned. We might see him back on top one day, or perhaps we see Matt hold that number one spot. What's particularly impressive with these all-time greats is not just the consistency, but the ability to hit those ranks as FPL's player base grows season on season. Matt and Fabio both started in the 2014-15 season when there were just 3.2 million managers. The growth between the 21-22 and 22-23 season was over 2 million managers. It's getting increasingly hard to achieve those top ranks year on year. Thanks to Matt for taking the time to do the video and giving such great answers. His Twitter is in the description if you'd like to give him a follow. These videos take a long time to edit, so if you enjoyed it, please drop it a like and subscribe to the channel for more FPL content. Sports Social Podcast Network.